0: You're listening to the One Peter Five Podcast.
1: It is a real joy for us to
0: welcome you all here. Rebuilding Catholic culture. Restoring Catholic tradition. Hello and welcome to the One Peter Five Podcast, episode number 56. I'm Steve Skojek, as you already know. And... Uh, I hope that everybody's Advent is going fantastically. I hope that you're mixing in a little bit of penance with your early Christmas parties because, let's be honest, it's almost impossible to have a fully penitential Advent because everybody's getting together and doing those things. I get it. Today is an Ember Day. It's Friday, December 20th. It is the Friday after Gaudete Sunday, which means that today and tomorrow, along with Wednesday earlier this week, are all Ember Days. We talked about those on The last 1 Peter 5 minute, and we threw an article up on the website. But if you don't know Ember Days, they are days of penance, of fast and abstinence, of thanksgiving for God's blessings at the beginning of winter. And uh, today, the requirement would be um, two small meals and one full meal at which no meat is taken because it's Friday. Tomorrow, it's two small meals and one full meal at which meat may be eaten. Uh, So today is fast and abstinence. Tomorrow is fast and partial abstinence. If you choose to observe it, I encourage you to do so. Um, Because there's a lot that's going on in the church that's not so hot. And it's hard to believe the next week is Christmas. This year is totally flown by. This is going to be the last podcast for us of uh, 2019, I believe. I don't think we're going to be able to sneak one in the last week of December. We'll see. We we may pull out a surprise episode, but chances are good this may be the last one. And I wanted to go out on a high note. So today I have for you a very special guest. Alexander Shugul is with us on the program. Now, it's probably impossible that you don't know uh, who Alexander is if you've been paying attention to anything that's been going on in the church in the past couple of months. But if you haven't because you value your sanity... Um, Alexander is the guy, young man from Austria, 26 years old, who, um, during the Amazon Synod and during the idolatry that was going on during the Amazon Synod, decided that he had had enough and he went to Rome and he marched in to Santa Maria and Transmontina uh, near the Vatican where they were keeping a number of these Pachamama idols, these ugly little wooden carvings of the fertility goddess from the Amazon region. And, um gathered up as many as he could and marched them out of the church where they didn't belong and tossed them into the Tiber River and um it was really a watershed moment for the crisis in the church right now I was going to say it was a crossing of a Rubicon but it's more of a splashing in the Tiber kind of moment um forgive the the pun but it was uh I think a lot of people coming up to that moment were struggling with a feeling of helplessness because they were watching what was going on in the church. They've been watching it for years, and they felt, hey, you know what? There's nothing I can do. I mean, I can pray. I can let people know that this is bad. But they're just stomping all over our faith, and I'm powerless here. And Alexander showed that we're not powerless, that in fact Catholic action is possible, and he sort of just broke through this, this wall, this artificial prison that we were psychologically contained within where all we can do is talk about this stuff. And he just went and did something. And because of that, he became essentially a folk hero to Catholics around the world who are just fed up with everything that's going on. I mean, he's been called a hero by Bishop Schneider. He's been uh, promoted by Archbishop uh, Vigano. He's had the support of any number of priests and and prelates around the world who are brave enough to say enough is enough. This is what shouldn't be going on. And uh, I don't think, you know, you'll see, I asked him the question, he didn't anticipate that this was going to blow up like this. He just saw it was something that needed to happen and he wanted people to know that he got it done. And at first he actually did it anonymously And only later did he reveal his identity because he didn't want people to think that he was a coward and that he was afraid to say, you know what, I am going to put my name on this. You want accountability for this? It's me. I did it. I I take full responsibility for it. Which I think is pretty cool that he did. Um, I did see people questioning his integrity. They're like, oh, see, look, he put his name on it now and it's all self-aggrandizement and he wants attention and it's a PR stunt and look, he's founding this. Institute the St. Boniface Institute, and he's using the newfound fame from doing this. He should have just kept it anonymous. I think I can understand where those people are coming from, but I have to say, I just spent an hour talking to him, and it's not the first time I've spoken to him, but it is the first time I've talked to him, fa- you know, sort of face to face across this video conference. And um, he's the real deal, a hundred percent. I've got a great judge of character, and it hasn't steered me wrong yet. And I think this guy is is sincere. I think that he is incredibly confident, but also humble. And that is a weird combination to find uh, because so many people, their confidence is rooted in ego. And that's just not him. He's rooted in his faith. He's rooted in an understanding of history. He's rooted in uh, an awareness of, of the political scene you know, both at home for him in Austria and across Europe and around the world and how all of these things, faith and politics and history, there's this interplay between them and that we're at this unique moment in history. And there are things that we need to do in order to fight for the soul of the church. And I would say, I think that one of the things that rose to the top in my discussion with him is this is a guy who just wants to get to heaven and he wants to get other people to heaven too. he very much engages in the the militant language of "we're we're in a fight," uh, and he he notes at one point how the left hates those kinds of phrases. They've perverted the idea of a fight as being a bad thing, and and it's not. Um, but at the same time, he doesn't see the people he's fighting against as his enemies. He he made several points throughout our discussion of you know, people who are doing things that were wrong or even evil. And he says, these are the ones we have to pray for the most. This is a guy who really cares about souls, about his own and about the souls of the people who are are doing the things in the church that shouldn't be happening. And that is at times a rare perspective. It's easy to lose sight of the fact that these are souls that God loves and that God wants, uh, desires very strongly, the salvation of these souls. Um, so I've just, I came away from this. I mean, I knew it was going to be a good interview, but I came away extremely impressed with this guy. And he says at one point, um, that God has given him a clarity of purpose and that that clarity of purpose is a gift. And he recognizes that it's a gift and that he needs to be thankful for it because not everyone has it. And that having that gift means that he has a duty to act on, on the things that he sees clearly that he must do. And I think for many of us, this is an issue because we look at everything that's happening in the church and in the world and we engage to the extent that we can. We say, this is right and this is wrong and we're gonna say the truth and we're gonna pray for this and we're gonna do that and we're gonna try to raise our kids the right way. But we don't always know what to do next. And in fact, I think it's one of the most difficult things about being in the line of work that I'm in is that because we share so much information with people about what's going on, People tend to look to us as, well, maybe you have the answer. What do you think? Why is this happening? How can this be happening? What What's the next step? And the problem that I have is, I don't know. I'm, like you, trying to figure this out as I go along. There are days when it challenges my faith. There are days when I'm confident that, you know, God is going to prevail and we just got to dig in and pray harder and, and do more. Um, I cannot encourage people to pray enough, because if you start to let the scandals that are happening in the church push you away from prayer, or if you let the devil put the temptation in you not to pray because you feel that it's futile, because it's not changing anything, you will be distanced from him. You will be distanced from our Blessed Mother. You will be distanced from... Uh, the the graces that you need in order to see through and get through the things that are going on. And I've been through that. I've had those moments where I'm like, I just don't know what the point of any of this is. Why are we fighting this fight that that is accomplishing nothing? But that's a deception and it's a lie. And meeting someone like Alexander who has that clarity, it's inspiring. Because he sees where he's going. And that naturally makes him a leader. And it's interesting for me because he's very young. I mean, I have a child who is in her twenties and I I look at this guy and I feel at 42 years old that I have a lot to learn from him. Uh, very, very impressed with what he has to offer and excited because, you know, we've all been looking for the saints that God is raising up at this time, because in every crisis and every heresy of the church, God raises up saints. And the saints always have a unique way of looking at things and they have a clarity of purpose. And I look at people like Bishop Athanasius Schneider who I've met, who I know somewhat, I believe he is one of those saints. Talking to Alexander today, you know, like I said, he's young, he has a lot of life ahead of him. He has a lot of crosses that he's going to have to bear. We don't know what's going to happen in his life. But if he continues on the path that he's on with this level of sincerity and humility and, and drive, and focus on heaven and on getting as many souls there as possible, but at the same time having that, that instinct of, you know we're not going to let the devil beat us. He's, he doesn't get to win. We're going to fight this one out. He could be one of those saints that that God is raising up. I can see it. I can see it in him. And it reminds me, and it should remind all of us, that we can be too. We're looking around. Where are the people who are going to do this for us? It's us guys, we gotta do it. Alexander's a normal guy and he's doing it and he should inspire you, I think, and maybe he will. I hope that he will inspire you to do it too. So I don't wanna spend any more time talking about what you're about to see, but I thought it was important to give my impressions and to introduce uh, this interview because I think it's my favorite interview that I've ever done. And you'll notice I'm very quiet uh, during this, this interview because I just wanted to sit back and hear what he had to say cuz he had so much so much to offer and I really hope that you're going to enjoy this as much as I did so we'll be talking with Alexander Shugol in just a minute we'll be back right after this You're listening to the 1 Peter 5 Podcast. I'm joined now by Alexander Shugual, uh, most famously known for removing the Pachamama idols that were kept in Santa Maria in Transpontina in Rome during the Amazon Synod and disposing of them in the Tiber River. But Alexander is also the founder of the St. Boniface Institute based in Vienna, Austria, which is dedicated to opposing paganism, globalism, and other forms of infiltration within the Church. Alexander, it's so nice to have you on the show.
1: Thank you for the the invitation, and God bless the Americans.
0: (laughs) Thank you. So, as you know, and it's probably a little awkward for you, but you've become something of a folk hero for Catholics around the world, including some very impressive bishops like uh, Archbishop Vigano and uh, Bishop Schneider. Uh, and it's because of what you did in Rome when so many of the faithful felt powerless. And I think that's what made that moment so powerful is people felt there was nothing they could do. And then you went and you did it. So it's been almost two months since your video of the Pachamama event went viral. How has your life changed since then?
1: Yeah, actually, my, my, my personal life didn't change too much because it already got changed very much in the summer when I was marrying and as my wife is very supportive, it, it did not change much. But of course, yes, everything changed. So we set up this institute and through this institute all my work changed because before that we I had a I had an organization which cared for the pro-life and pro-family movement, which I still work on too. But now we have so many things to do and uh, especially the conference. So I kind of found out that after I did that, that my all my older let's say, that the fundament of, of, of everything I had was actually very good for doing something like that because, first of all, I was already paid by Catholic people who wanted me to do Catholic things, so I did not lose my job. And I have a wonderful Catholic wife, so I did not lose my family and wife. Instead, I asked her even before. So um, everything kind of got in t- more intense. And for me, I realized many personal things about the faith and about about um, uh, God's plan for all of us. So it was a very, very, very fantastic time since then. Very exhausting. But actually, I'm always very happy whenever I talk to people uh, which do not have too much to do with what I do and which do not have the Catholic faith. Then I normally find out that many of them are bored, bored by their life. Uh, uh, they are not sure where to go. They don't know what they are here on earth for. And they do not know exactly what is good or what is wrong. And all of this brings them in a very confusing situation. I am very glad and very happy to announce that I do not have the situation. Because actually for me, as, uh, everything is pretty clear. And this is a privilege. Uh, and for this privilege, I have to be very thankful. And it gives me the duty to be even more a servant of, of this course.
0: Yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, clarity is definitely something that is... A lot of people are looking for it, um, and I think that's one of the most impressive things about what you did. Is while other people were asking themselves, "What is it that I can do?" You just said, "This is it," and I'm going to go do it, and here, here it is. So, I mean, but did you think that the reaction to what you did would be as overwhelming as it's been? I mean, did you have any idea that it was going to blow up like this?
1: No, I, I knew it will be big. But this is actually very huge. And no, no, I, I did not. You know, I before I did it, I did not really plan it. Um, um, I didn't really plan the rest. I planned, I planned um, you know, I did not even book my flight online. I, I bought the ticket uh, on the airport directly because a few hours, maybe 24 hours before we uh, took the flight to Rome, we made the decision to do it. So I did not have the time to think of this but when it came out i knew it would be big but now everybody knows it and i'm very happy because most of the people worldwide catholic faithful understood why we did it and 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 really understood it they did not only say yes it's okay but but they really understood the whole uh, the whole um, fight against this uh, 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 not against it but uh, behind that too they understood it and it's very good because for us Catholics, we know that, but the, also the modernists uh, should know that. And so for us, it's good to show them that having, a, um, uh, having to take a decision, having to take the, a decision uh, for the faith is something which is always very good. So whenever you have the possibility to decide... On something you already know that there are two possibilities it's always very good and normally the people do not know what the possibilities are normally the people are not free because they do not know the faith and they do not know what's happening so most of them just follow the only way they can follow because they do not have the freedom of stepping out of this way and through through this we kind of gave the people first of all hope that's true and I see that too and second of all the chance to, to to see that the Catholic faith is so huge and beautiful. And by the, this spark of hope, it is, I can I can compare it to a, to a fire, a gas fire. If you have a gas stove, I don't know if you use that in the United States but being Vienna normally cook on it. Yeah. Then, then you need the spark, but you need the gas too. And the spark yeah. only lights the gas. So I think the Pachamama was the spark but talking about the faith publicly, what you do, uh, what you did for the last years, of course, too. Um, this was needed for this spark to to uh, light up the flames, and now the flames are burning, and it's good.
0: Well, I mean, and I think that you've kind of taken the next step. You know, we we've, we've obviously been talking about all the things that were going on and drawing people's attention to them, and and you know, we always use the the metaphor of waking people up because. I think people become used to the way things are, and then they get worse slowly, and they, and they continue to sort of tolerate what's going on. And so our job has been to try to, to show people, hey, this is, what's, you know, this is what's happening. If you haven't noticed, it's a problem, and, and here's why. And, and more and more people have been waking up, but you've taken that next step of, of action, of activism. You know, it's not, we're not just talking about it. We're going to go do this, this concrete thing. We're going to make this thing happen. I mean, how much is that tied into your background doing pro-life work? I mean, because pro-life work is, is way more action than talk, right?
1: Yes, 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 of course. Because in pro-life work, it's very important to to be with the people because uh, in the pro-life talk, I, uh, pro-life work, I normally tell the people there are three big groups of, of three big things to do. The first thing is to be there for the people who really want to abort, so for the women uh, who want to abort, to be there to show them why this is wrong. Because many of them, even though abortion is terrible, many of them really don't know it because they were uh, just being lied to. Yeah. So first of all, and that's very action. This is all action pure because you really talk. It is about a matter of life or death. Right. And then you have, and then you have the second, which is teaching other people why we are pro-life. And and to do the, all this this background work. So every new law that comes into the world, we have to um, evaluate it and see. Okay, why uh, we know it is wrong. We know it is wrong. But we uh, but we have to do a step by step program to show the people what what on it is wrong. Because the modernist people need that too. It's for the most of them. It's not enough to tell them that every soul is is um, 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 eternal. That's unfortunately not enough. So, first of all, being for the uh, there for the women who want to abort, so for the children, of course, teaching the people, and then third, representing this whole fight in the public so that there is a public fight too, which is the matter normally for the March for Life in all the countries or for pro-life organizations and their speakers and pro-life politicians. And yes, all of us is very activist, as you would call it now. But I actually don't like the word activism too much because... For me, it's um, for me. It's not about activism because activism is already a little bit modern. It is the idea that actually um, we we know that our our life um, regarding our faith and the way we want to go this way up to heaven is a life of fighting. We have to fight against our fallen nature and about the uh, against um, our enemy, the devil, and 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 all the sins. We have to really fight against them. We know. That a good confession father will always tell you that there are different possibilities to fight against the sins. The first is is don't go where the sin is. so' this if if you know you tend to sin, if you are at this particular place or with these people and so on, then don't go there anymore, don't meet them anymore. Sure. so this is this is the first step. But if you are if you cannot do that, you have to really fight it. So you have to prepare yourself, you have to train. You have to fight. You have to put on the armor of prayer and God, and so on. So it, it is a real fight. And this fight, actually, when we tend, when we try to do this fight already with ourselves, which will never end. It, it does not end up until our, our death. It ends after the death, of course, right, but not right, before. Yeah. But not before. So actually, this is the only. This is one of the good things about about death. That if if you, you know, death only exists because of original sin, but.
0: It there, kind of there's a, there's a joke uh, you know I, I heard from this Irish priest one time he said you know the, they say that the devil stops tempting you ten minutes after you're dead.
1: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's 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 what it is about. And then, but if you try to do that already, then you know that this is a fight. And then you find out what is tempting you is tempting others too. Yeah. So uh, you you could start fighting with uh, on that problem, for example, by helping the others. Uh, Yourself, not to be a bad example, so that it's easier for them. That comes to uh, how you clothe yourself, how you talk to the others, how you speak of others in front of them, and so on. But but then we have another fight too, and this other fight is not for ourselves alone. It is for the common good. Uh, So for the common good, and the common good is something we need on Earth to be to 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 be as strong as possible. And this is only possible if we understand that. All the sins and everything was threatening us. Um, there are many people who cannot fight against this or just do not want to fight it. Most of them cannot because they do not know of this fight and some know of it and do not want. These are really, really very, very dangerous. Uh, always keep, always step 10 steps back if you meet someone who knows but does the, uh, but does the opposite. It's terrible. And, and those people tend to like I said, maybe um kind of not guilty of it, i uh, not guilty, but still, to destroy everything around them too, because there's something about the sin which is very important. if we try to live with our sin, everything which is in order around us will remind us of our sin, yeah so so it is very normal for someone who has a, who is a very sinful person to try to change everything around him to the sinful, in this sinful way too, so that he's not reminded of the order of God and of the good thing actually, which he should have too, but with what he does not want to have because of his sin. So this is a, this is something, but as I said, we cannot judge um, the, those people too much because we do not know if they really know this or if they just follow it because they are already so confused and do not know. Sure. So our goal, is, our goal is really to understand these levels and to fight. And that's the reason I don't like the word activism because it is a fight in ourselves, and therefore it is a fight in the world too. The word fighting is actually the better word. Nowadays, people, especially the leftists, they hate the word fighting. And that's the reason they said they said that whoever wants to fight is always a bad person. Is uh, always yeah. a bad person. And you can see that. you can if you watch leftist um, way of, let's say modernist way of thinking very closely, you will find out that they hate heroes they really hate them they always have anti heroes they always have anti hero the best example for example is now Greta Thunberg for yeah, the exactly for the, she does not she herself she herself does not live a heroic life she she runs around she's very poor and i don't i don't want to you know, I don't want to speak too bad about her personally because I I don't know how what why she does that, but what she does is terrible and all her roots are, devil, are terrible and the people who follow her, they don't change themselves, they just want to change everyone else. Yeah. So they usually and because they know that they cannot do that, they usually become communists who ask uh, who ask the state to change everything. That's very normal. It's yeah. very normal. Yeah. So we see this, we see this, and they hate to talk about fighting. They always say no. Uh, As they they want to pervert the word fighting, and for them, someone is a fighter who asks for the for the strong state or or who asks for for a a new law coming in and so on. That's not what we do. That's not what we do. That's the
0: opposite of fighting.
1: Yes, it's the opposite of fighting because actually it's it's hiding behind something. Right. We we know that our first enemy is actually our own fallen nature this is our first enemy. So the devil, the devil and our own fallen nature. And so we fight against this first. And then we see that in other uh, places on earth. And then we try to fight that too, for the sake of everybody. And of course, for the sake of our Lord and Savior.
0: So how does this then, I mean, how does it inform the work that you're doing with the St. Boniface Institute? I mean, it's an apostolate. What is it set up to do? You know, I know that one Peter yes. Five is set up to educate and inform people about the things that are going on, about the traditional faith and the resources yes. that we have to grow stronger in the faith, but also this is what's going on in the church. Here are the current events that you should know about. These are the stories that are important. What is yes. the work that you're going to do? I mean, if activism is the wrong word, how does it how does it take shape?
1: What is it? Yes, that's a, that's a very good question. So first of all, I hope that you'll find the answers to those questions at about in one month from our homepage too, because right now we are working on that very hard, um, but it needs to be very, very good. So so it takes us a little bit more time than we wanted, but that's okay. Okay, we, we try as St. Boniface Institute, we will do a few things. First, uh, our main goal is to unite traditional Catholics, especially around Europe, and to unite them um, in, in a, f- a certain understanding of the current political situation for us Catholics. That's very important because right now we know we know the very difficult situation in the in the church itself. We know the different difficult situation with the modernists, uh, the modernist priests, the modernist theology, um, liberation theology, communist theology, and all of that. And but and there are many good people out there, like actually you with John One Peter Five, who report on that quite often, which is good, which is very good because I read blogs like your blog uh, for my information. So, actually, what you do it comes to Europe too, as you know. So what we want to do is, is a, little, a little bit different. What we try to uh, find out, we, are, we have very good contacts here in Europe among, um, let's say, in kind of every Western European land. We know uh, people who really are very close to government and know what's, uh, what's going on. And so we try to collect this information and inform the people on a, let's say, weekly level about the current political situation and the connection to the catholic church because unfortunately we see that especially in uh, in pope francis himself that nowadays politics is very very strongly connected to the church and not in the way it was used in the medieval times where the medieval uh, states tried to live according to the laws of the, uh, the rules of the church no now the church, uh, not not the church, of course, but some some representatives of the church and some, um, 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 especially some priests, uh, bishops, and, and even the pope, try to say the church has to follow the political movement. So it's exactly the other way around. Um, we as Catholics believe strongly that there is no such thing as a complete separation from state and and, uh, and faith right. because it's un- impossible. Of course, I want to have a state which which. Um, which um, lives according to the rules of the Catholic Church. Of course, I want, to, uh, to, want the, uh, to have a state which is there to protect the people so that they have enough freedom so that they can go to heaven. A state that recognizes
0: and, the social kingship of Christ.
1: Yes, 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 of course, of course I want that. But um, the modernist idea of uh, uh, of church and state is the, exactly the opposite. It says, what can the church do to push political agendas, especially inter- international globalist agendas. So right now, what we see in Pope Francis, for example, he said two weeks before the Amazonian Synod, if you quote, if you consider yourself member of humanity, it is your duty to obey the United Nations wherever they make a command, end quote. Mm. That is a quote of Pope Francis two weeks before the Amazon Synod. Then it was the Amazon Synod and all of the terrible things happening uh, during the Synod. And now we see him Talking about politics every second day, uh, every every day, every day, actually. We have on the one hand side, he uh, says things like he wants to change the UN Security Council and he wants to, he, he thinks it's better if there's not, if they do not have to agree all on something, but if there's a majority, it's enough. So this is actually a very huge change he wants there, which would which would lead directly to war on Earth, actually, because that that's, that's terrible. But then he says things like, for example, our... Our goal in ecum, uh, uh, ecumenism, can I say this? Ecom, uh, the ecumenism, ecumenism.
0: Yeah.
1: Our goal in ecumenism is not what they told us the last thirty years, which was of course not true. Uh, a matter of world peace. It is a matter of of world climate uh, security. So it's very interesting. So they use the climate change agenda. They use the climate change agenda now. To, to, uh, to say that why ec- ecumenism is so important. First of all, what we see is that, of course, we were betrayed the last decades, because, it, uh, so as you see now, it was, of course, not world peace. Uh, so, so something, so world peace was also just a, just, a, just a word they used. Second of all, they use not the climate change as a, uh, the climate change topic, as a topic of environment, as we Catholics did this in the past, where we said, okay, of course, you always have to take care of the whole creation and therefore you have to take care of your surrounding too. But in a, of course, in a, in a, in a hierarchical way that the human is there and, and below him, there's the creation. No, they say we have to take care of our common house of, of, of the world uh, uh, world and Mother Earth. It's very interesting. Yeah. You will find the word Mother Earth very often right now in many different interviews and in many different things But many prelates of the church. And also our Pope um, said this a few times already. So we have to really see that there is this very strong connection, this very strong connection between the United Nations plan, plans, let's say, that's a more, more than one plan, but we can push, uh, put it together under the word globalist plan, and, and the Pope serving this globalist plan. So he really now wants to do that. And he plans already that there's already the next meeting, which will take uh, place, I think, within the next five or six months in Rome. I don't know. I don't have too many details about that yet, but I'm going to publish something as soon as we have all the details. It will be together with the United Nations again. So what we want to do is, is very easy. We have, good con- we have good contacts all around the world. And, and even before this Pachamama thing, because, uh, because I, I tried since years together with uh, my team, to, to get Austria in a in a good position uh, politically, but it was not possible because we are not member of any party here because the parties here are not very interesting. There there were there are only two parties which which you uh, could vote the last thirty years, and one of them thirty years ago betrayed everything and is not Catholic anymore. But they tend to do like the other one has a very good uh, party program, but the political uh, the politicians who are uh, in on top right now. Kind of don't manage to get their party to be one and always separate. It's very, it's very annoying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We did not manage to do it in Austria, unfortunately. Or even though we have good contacts, but uh, in other countries we managed to find to have really uh, good relations. And so our possibilities actually quite, quite big. What we can do now is we have a research team. We, that's something we set up immediately when we got the first donations. We immediately set it up, and we have a secretariat now. And uh, we are going to do a um, um, a big conference where I will invite you actually Steve. I will invite you in January for that. You are already on my list
0: but in a good <laughs> well, thank you. I just found out, but that's good to know
1: yeah. and, and 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 this conference will be in in May at the thirteenth of May. It will talk about all of that issue all that issues and it will be very actual. so our information will be brand new at the conference. I cannot tell you now because I don't have you don't know we yet, have. Yet. Our, no, we have our information now, but of course not the one from this UN church meeting, which will take place later, yeah. but we will have it by then, and after that we will have a great a big rosary procession, and, and a cardinal is going to come, a very famous one, and and it will be, so it will be really fantastic and very huge, and, and I would uh, love all of you to come. And the goal is, first of all, to unite the Catholics, and how do we unite them? We, of course, not by doing a compromise, uh, a compromise uh, because it's not possible. We unite the ones who want to follow the, the full and true Catholic teaching. And the full and true Catholic teaching is a teaching, which is, of course, a traditional one. So, so, so whatever, whoever wants to be with us, it doesn't matter if he is now already a traditionalist or not, but he will, from our side, only hear the traditional teaching of the Church and nothing else. Because it is not in our power to change what God gave us and how He created the world. Exactly. It is not in our power to do so. So as soon as we try to change that, we already lie to ourselves and to the people. And that's the reason they will always find tradition when we do something. And 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 in the in the background, try to connect more uh, the good people. Try to fight a little bit for. Let's say um, um, there are many many unnecessary unnecessary fights between our among our own people right now, and they're getting fewer and fewer and less and less because the fight the the big fight is so important right now that we are kind of coming together. I think it was um, Michael Matt uh, from the Remnant who said yeah. that he that he thinks that to unite the clans is very important. Right, and I actually like this word, and I really like this word, and I try to follow that too. So. I, I met many people of FSSP and of Institute Christ the King, King and others, and asked them because they, they they do so good work, and asked them to to take a close look on these international uh, things because we have to know. Not every faithful has to know all of that. It is no. not every faithful needs to know every detail of, of of what is nowadays called church politics.
0: No, in fact, but it's the, bad. For, I think it's bad for a lot of people to know everything about
1: yes, it. Yes. Yeah want to go to heaven and and it needs for the people it's only is good what uh, brings them closer to heaven nothing is good which uh, which uh, destroys uh, their way to heaven and many people if they hear things like that they are so shocked that they uh, go away from the good things too so we have to be very careful about that but our goal is of course to inform all of the people who who want to lead this fight and so that they really know what's going on and that we all know one thing One of uh, the biggest enemy in our whole life will be the devil and our fallen nature. Our fallen nature comes because the devil, because Mm -hmm. the devil talked to Eve.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, So it comes from him. But uh, these are our biggest enemies. But if we we look on earth, our biggest enemies are always the ones who take uh, a big part of truth and mix it with a few drops of poisonous lies. And these people right now can be named. These can be named. These are uh, the United Nations right now. They do that. They use uh, a few scientific facts and uh, which, because as we know from this whole climate thing, uh, half, 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 the, it, it is true and the other half is not true. So, for example, of course, the climate is changing, is changing, but it is a very, the people in the, the scientific, uh, scientists still don't know where it comes from, actually, because 500 years ago in uh, 600 years ago in austria we did not have any snow on the alps we did not have any glaciers Jason. right right we did not have this and now we have them so it is it gets cold now it's getting warmer again and back then we did not have any industrialized world so we don't know i, I as a catholic sometimes uh, sometimes for me if there's too much industry somewhere i also don't like it because i see you know if it's I'm very Austrian. In Austria, I don't like if things are packed in plastic because it's not very Austrian to do that. Yeah, but but you know, it must but you guys be you guys a...
0: separate your your trash and recycling into fourteen different categories too. So,
1: Oh, no, in Austria it's not fourteen; it's three. But is it three? Uh, because yes. when I was
0: in Austria in college, it was it was literally fourteen different bins we had to separate everything into. This was in 1999. And have you been uh, tomorrow? Mau- have I been where?
1: Where have you been in college?
0: So I went to Franciscan University of Steubenville. So our, our yeah. semester in Austria is in oh. Gomming. In gaming yeah.
1: I Sorry, yes, Gomming, yeah. Of course, Gomming. Yeah, of course. No, if you go to this university, they will they will teach you that. But no, normally it's free, and we have to yes, we have to separate a little bit more than free. You're true, but it's not fourteen. But I have to say, <laughs> I have to, say to to take care of of, of trash and all of that can now it comes. It, it might be very important actually, but, but our, a sovereign uh, family and maybe a sovereign state can say, we want to take care of that uh, in that, this and that yes. Way. Cannot, you cannot um, enforce this by a global communistic right. organization which takes away our sovereignty uh, only for the sake of environment, which is a very big lie. It's a very big lie. You will, everyone who who, can, who reads the UN document will, for example, read. And in every UN document, they also push abortion. In every UN document, they push things like that. So so don't let yourself be fooled by something like, oh, we take care of environment. If uh, you want to take care of the environment, go out, clean up yourself.
0: Why do you think that this, that this agenda is so important to Pope Francis and, and to many of the people in the Vatican? I mean, there's constantly people from the UN... At the Vatican, there's population control advocates like Jeffrey Sachs and Paul Ehrlich, and these people show up, you know, there's pro-euthanasia conference uh, people. I mean, there's all this stuff that shows up at the Vatican. Why do you believe that the Vatican is more concerned about these things than about the salvation of souls right now?
1: Okay, well, uh, this question I cannot answer because I cannot look in in their hearts and minds. But what I can answer is that what we see it's first of all always a matter of money, unfortunately, too. So we know that the Vatican is broke every, yeah. year, every year. And, and now there's needs, all these
0: financial it, scandals that we're hearing about that, that definitely affect yeah. yeah. yeah their so economic we know that it, it is
1: and I and I strongly believe that many of those things happening are, are also because just very sorry for not doing a conspiracy theory, but just for money. But what I can what I can say too, of course, of course. Is that it comes to our minds and maybe this all it is true That what all of the things happening right now are clearly an anti-Catholic agenda It's clearly anti-Catholic. It is yeah. against the church. It's against the, the faith and it is against Always, it's always the same thing They they uh, they want to fight against the priest, priesthood against marriage and therefore also against Our Lady it's yes. very interesting. All the few other fights, but these are always, always the ones. So uh, the, the uh, discussion we have right now about uh, the yeah. COVID redemptrix. A priest of mine wrote me a huge, a huge article um, um, for me to be forwarded to other people. I will, I will forward it to you too if you want. Yeah, But I want do. to read. I want to read uh, out of this article for a second because sure. people are, dis- are discussing so much about that, and then they always say. That Pope uh, Pius the did so much on that, which is true. But I tell you something now: from Pius the and Leo the and the fifteenth, Pius the XI, Pius XII, uh, and and so on, we know we know that we know from many different priests who wrote about it. And now I want to read something from from where is he? Pius the ninth. He he writes. Wait 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 wait. Uh, da, da, da. He, he he wrote a letter. He wrote a letter. It is in Latin, but I will send it to you. He wrote a letter, and 25th of August 1873 to Oswald Fandenberg, uh, who wrote a book which is called uh, "Mary at Le uh, Sajdota, so um, Mary and the Priest. And it's very interesting where he, where he writes many paragraphs. I could show you. Show you. It's uh, no. It's, it doesn't show. But it doesn't show I really, up well. I, have,
0: I, have I believe like you. I believe you, Alexander.
1: Paragraphs. <laughs> yes, I just you. So it's very interesting to and yes, it is not a dogma by the church, but that's not that's not what we talk about. We talk about something very clearly. What the Pope did was so terrible for us faithful because he did it in this heavy way. He say, oh, it's a silliness. so he, he he said it's stupid, it's stupid to believe that. And what does he want us to t- uh, say? Does he want us to know that Leo the Thirteenth, Pius the ninth, St Pius the tenth, XV the Fifteenth? Pius the eleventh and Pius the twelfth are all stupid. Yeah, is this what you want to say? No. So, what we can say is actually that all the fights against the priesthood, when he talks about not he but the sinner talks about viri probati and all of that, right? Uh, against against marriage, when he says in Amoris Laetitia in a footnote about uh, divorced people something and that they can that they, in his eyes, can in in, in special situations re- receive holy communion. And now he you know that now he pushed that again. Now he said yeah. that again. Yeah. Um, answering the dubias so what you what you see it is clearly an agenda which is anti church and whenever we see a agenda that clear we have to believe even though we I do not have the proof for it but we have to believe that there is of course something more uh, in the background going on you you do not go you do not uh, get elected pope and and by and by strange coincidences that you that you m- might once read a letter of liberation theology and so on, have these strange ideas, and then you want to push them. No, he pushes them every day, in every interview, every and day. every cardel, and, and everyone who is uh, kind of in this in this in this agenda involved too, does that too. So it is really clearly clearly something going on, and it is connected to the United Nations. You can see that by all the things they do together. It is connection to many other terrorists we know from a cardel that he says every week. The whole Forbes list, uh, uh, the top 100 of the Forbes list goes in and out in the Vatican. So actually, yes, things are going on there. And yes, we will keep our eye on that. But what we are going to do, and this will be will be the speciality of our institute, we will especially focus on this connection between the world politics and the church that way. So this will be our main focus, even though we will always report on things which are going on, which are uh, for our belief. Yes it's a hard work right now and and just think of St Paul's Institute as the center of of, of the, the the hopefully future center of this fight within Europe itself.
0: Will you be mostly I mean will you be publishing things or will it be more like yes. what you just did at, you know at the cathedral in Vienna? I mean you organized a small no, no, protest please. there.
1: No 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 the the cathedral in Vienna was was actually not a typical what no was not a Boniface thing so just because it is right to do things like that. In the past, I did that too Just so actually, I can we
0: talk it. about that for a minute because I I, I I talked about it a little bit on a video last week so what what okay. was going on at the cathedral in Vienna? I mean Cardinal Schoenborn has obviously revealed himself to be a lot different a, a lot a, a very different man from who people thought he was ten or twenty years ago, and mm. under this pontificate in particular, he seems to be one of the men who's out there really pushing the pope 's agenda on various things, and now he seems to have this agenda of his own where he's very comfortable with homosexuals and, and with, you know, the divorced and remarried receiving communion and all this stuff. But there's been a lot of pro-homosexual stuff he's done. He's, he's allegedly blessed the union of, of a, of a very big homosexual advocate uh, advocate in Austria. He has uh, allowed this stuff that went on in the cathedral. So what's going on? What, what happened and what did, what was your response?
1: What happened was that uh, the main homosexual activists in Austria Mr. Gary Kessler organized an, uh, um, a big series of events taking place on the night to the first Advent, Saturday the 13th, and it well, he he invited many different organizations and groups to to join him, and uh, they made I think 12 different um, um, events, and one of them was by um, our cardinal and and the parish priest at the cathedral. They invited uh, Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Con- Mr. Thomas Neuwirth and other artists. Mr. Thomas Neuwirth is a very well-known artist in Austria, artist who who does all this homosexual agenda. He is a, he is a trans uh, a, a transvestite and he dresses as woman. What with a beard, it's very strange. He, he and he's the one pres- who
0: goes by Conchita Wurst, right?
1: Yeah, and Conchita yeah. was And now he's now he separated those two uh, uh, these names, and now he. He acts as Conchita or as Wurst, and this is very strange. Wurst is his, is his uh, pervert uh, gay character, I think, and uh, Conchita is the transvestite character. So that's what he's doing, actually. And, and it's it's terrible, of course, to, to see that. But he's a very poor person. We have to pray for him, of course, too, because he's not, he said in public that he wanted to kill himself and that he mm. yeah. that is a. Of his, I think he said he is afraid, or maybe another term of his own mirror picture in the mirror. So it's it's not no not a person we should consider a very big enemy. Actually, his 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 biggest enemy is himself. He fights yeah. against himself. So it's yeah. really a man. But what we can say is that those people are used now for this agenda, and where well, and they made a concert in the cathedral of Vienna, and the money went via the Order of Malta to the Order of Malta charity in South Africa in the Diocese of Cardinal Napier called the Brotherhood of Placicera um, which is um, which is um, they they take care of of people who I think have AIDS and other other diseases and so on and this was in the cathedral the night of the first advent and it was already the third time this happened this uh, series of events last time we also prayed but not not that publicly because this year I got so much attention that way more people came actually but last time it was a theater play called Jedermann um, the year before I don't know what it was uh, but and this year it was this uh, this con- uh, this concert last time t- last time half naked homosexuals danced on the altar rail
0: mm.
1: and the altar this year they did the concert where the Conchita was so Thomas Divert was in l- lack uh, in luck and uh, uh, ladder how do you call it in, in
0: yeah, you know, this, this, like that black leather. Yeah yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yes, yes. And he wasn't that. And then he had a fur on it, a fur coat, and this was really, 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 really. I um, was really terrible actually. So we. Did and Cardinal Schoenborn outside. was
0: there, right? Cardinal Schoenborn was was in attendance. Oh,
1: yeah, the first did this to the music. It was very strange. And then they talked, yeah, about a miracle. And Cardell said, yes, he heard of a miracle, and he was so amazed by it. And this miracle was happening in the 13th century somewhere in Italy. Two gay people going to the going to the to the adoration, and 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 then go and then holding hands, and the people from the village seeing them, beating them up, um, putting them to a tree, uh, and tie, tying them to a tree and then putting snow on them so that they die. But then Our Lady comes and uh, sends uh, the sun, so the snow melts and then the the, the the ropes are gone and they go hand in hand, they go back oh into my- the village and everything, everyone loves them and they are happily received and so And then it's very interesting. So, So friends of mine did a big research on that, of course, and they told that in the cathedral. And friends of mine did a big research. What we fa- found out was that uh, there is really this pilgrimage place and and gay people really go there since five years or 10 years maybe. But it's very interesting because the stories they tell, there all, there are three different versions with different dates mainly. They all date back to a time where this pilgrimage place did not exist.
0: Mm, of course, so
1: it is yeah, really it's just alive. a story. Yeah, of it's a story. Course, like, our lady doesn't do that. And, right. and believe me, we all, we all would know if there is a village in Italy, which openly accepts homosexuality <laughs> since the third <30th laughs> right, uh, exactly. century. So what a hoax. And, and these things were happening in the cathedral. And so what we did, we prayed outside. I gave a little speech where I explained to the people what is happening and what we are praying for. And then we prayed and sang Advent songs and prayed up until midnight when this uh, uh, it did not end. We wanted to pray till it ends. So, but then we sent most of the people home because it was late and a few stayed up until the end to pray rosaries. We prayed three rosaries and sang a few songs. And then we had this letter by Archbishop Vigano. He sent it to me. So I read it out loud at the end. It was as not only the second part, which is about what happened there. Yes, things like that. But actually, it's not too much connected to St. Boniface Institute because the Institute's work is... Is, of course this is also connected to it but I would have done this without the Institute yeah. too
0: yeah so did anybody did yeah, anybody yeah. give you a hard time for praying the rosary out there no. did you get any pushback from the people that were there no well that's good no,
1: but, of course if you no, look of course a few people but what uh, what I think is very important is that if we we if we fight a fight we should never we should never start. Um, um, beginning our fights by ourselves. We should not go somewhere and think, "Ah, okay, this is is bad, so now I'm going to fight against him or against this and that. That's not our goal. So what we always do is we um, um, the reality is clear so we know what is true and we fight against everything, everything which is untrue, everything. It's for us. So it's it's for us. Not a matter of do we uh, do we begin a fight or don't we begin a fight, but only if we do we join the ongoing fight or don't we join the ongoing fight, and uh, and a matter of which weapons can we use, and uh, so 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 this is the way we do. And if we see things like that happening in the Catholic Church, then the first thought we, we I think should have at least uh, it was the first thought that many of my friends and I had. Was that those people inside are definitely um, losing their the, their soul? They 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 go there, so as we do not want them to go there, our main goal is to be present in at this place because you know it's very important to pray at the place where things happens. Mm-hmm. Happen that is very important. It is many people ask us that. Many people say, can't you pray somewhere else? Do you you want to do that as a protest? And I say no 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 no. It's the same reason we go to pilgrimage places. If certain things happen in a certain place, then it is important to pray there at this place for this. I so think that's example, a really important someone...
0: point because I, I think that that's something we've lost connection to because yes. we live in such a global world and we see things going on everywhere, just sitting at our desks, looking at our computers or looking at our phones or whatever. And, and we feel totally totally connected to the whole world but also disconnected from place everywhere. It's just really easy to sort of be virtually present. I mean, here you are, we are on like a nine hour time difference between you and I, you're sitting in Vienna, I'm sitting in Arizona, and we're having this conversation essentially face to face. It's, it's a very strange thing that I I don't know that that we all kind of recognize what it does to our minds and and to, and to our our relationship to the real world. And I think that this is something that you're one of the only people I've actually heard saying this. And I, and I I see again here, a connection to your pro-life work, because you're not, you know praying at home you're going to an abortion clinic you're going where you're praying there
1: of course you pray there you can pray home too because that uh, praying home is very important but you always have to know you always have to know that first of all um we as human beings especially are very very well connected to time and place yes this is something because actually that is what make what makes us human it is what makes us right. human so this, uh, don't try to disconnect this from, from, from your fight. No, no, of course not. Also, if you lead a spiritual fight, it is always good. to. Kind of, but what you have to know is what you're fighting for. And in our case, we fought for the sake of the souls of the people who visited and who gave and to invited to this concert. So this was our goal because we fought um, um, that this is the main important thing is that their souls don't get too much harm because it's terrible. And I think we kind of uh, we kind of achieved this goal. First of all, it was not very well, not very uh, not a big amount of people who were present at the concert, so this was very good. And second of all, we know that many of the people who 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 are in the organizations who, who organized this concert or who got money from this concert, they wrote us letters and told us that they are very thankful for what we did so you see uh, god gives us the fruits god shows yeah. us the fruits yeah. and and by the fruits you shall you shall know them as we know so if these are fruits i'm very actually happy about it but we always have to know you know originally they are of course not our fruits but fruits uh, of the work of yeah. god so we because that's what prayer is prayer is asking god
0: so let me ask you a question of perspective that I think that you are in a unique position to maybe answer, particularly because in, in recent weeks you have been sort of on a world tour. You've been to the United States. I know you were in London, you were in Budapest. Now you're home again in Austria. I don't know. You probably went to other places as well. Um, Having spent time in all those places, I keep hearing from people in Europe that the faith is almost completely gone Um. Uh, you know, and and which is crazy. I mean, to Americans, and I, I'm sure you saw that when you were here, we don't have the kind of beautiful churches that you have there, and there aren't all these cultural reminders of Catholicism and the, the shrines on the side of the road and the pilgrimage sites and all that stuff. America's a deeply Protestant country, and even the people who go to the traditional mass, usually we're going in these very small chapels. A lot of times we bought them from some Protestant church and we converted it into a Catholic church. So, you know... You guys have the churches, but I don't know. Do you have the faith? You know, It makes me think of St. Athanasius talking about they have the churches, but they don't have the faith. Where is Europe, and how would you compare the experience of Catholicism in Europe to the United States right now at this moment?
1: Yes. So the diff- so, first of all, yes, there are many people who still have the faith. Don't, don't, please don't uh, um, compare them to the number we had 200 years ago or 100 years ago. Of course, it is now, uh, because of all the modernist wars and everything happening, it went down like this. But we still have very much faithful, actually, and it's st- still, still very well connected to many uh, people and, and to our culture, still. The only difference is that in Europe, we have this big disease of political correctness, first of all. It's, it's way bigger, I think, than the United States, um, because in Europe, you have all these hate speech laws and so on. So they kind of push you into that um so sometimes even though there are many faithful uh, as they do not have the power right now there, it is it is you cannot show you cannot see it wherever they have the power like in hungary or like in poland or like even even for a short moment in italy and things like that you you immediately see the faith again mm-hmm. so it is still there uh, wherever something bad happens like when notre dame burnt down you saw yeah. 10,000 and 10,000 people on the streets praying and they were all Par- uh, uh, french people in austria if you if you if you will now go to uh, you will visit austria in the christmas time and you go to christmas mass of course you still have all the people at least visiting the church for uh, for christmas which is i know not what we want but you see it is still there what we have to uh, understand is that the europeans where are being lied to since 500 years. It starts with the Protestant revolution, which uh, you as Americans know quite well because you have so many Protestants. It started, it it continued with the French revolution. It was followed by the 1848 revolution in Germany and Austria, which very interesting was in Germany very big and in Austria not as big, even though it was big, but it did not change so much uh, as it changed in Germany then we had the, the the nationalism and socialism coming out out of that we had the first world war which was a world war especially out of nationalism and in this world war suddenly there was the communistic revolution uh, the red revolution from this revolution it it we we went to the, the the time between the wars which had a big change of things in many different country, country countries like portugal Germany, uh, in Germany, the Third Reich came, and in other countries, for example, Russia, Stalin, and, and so on, came, in Italy, then later Mussolini, and, and, and in Spain, and so on, so it was really hard. And then the Second World War happening, after the Second World War, which was a national socialistic uh, uh, thing here, here in, in Austria and, and Germany, and the communistic thing on the Russian side, and the already globalistic thing on the British side, uh, and so on. Even though, of course, the big, the big, the big um, terrorists and the, the big ones to blame are ah, is Hitler and Stalin, they are the worst ones here. Uh, it was followed not by a time of peace, but a time of peace a, a little bit for us somehow, but only because there were no bombs. But not a time of peace for the soul. Then there came the Second Vatican Council and the uh, 1868 uh, 19, 1968 Revolution. Then we had some fights going on in the east of Austria. The Yugoslavian war, we had the, the fall of the Berlin Wall, the whole modern uh, Germany after after the fall of the wall and so on. So I want to say something which is very important to know. It took 500 years for the devil to come to a situation he has now. And do you know what we still have? We still have our churches, we still have our monasteries, we still have our masses. We still have way more Catholic masses in Vienna than you will have in every car, every city you have in the United States. We still have that. We still have more vocations. We still have more places. We still have more traditions, and we still have more beauty here. So take that devil. We will fight back. <laughs> and you, will, you will never win. Never, never, never. You can put a, you can put Freemasons into the Vatican. You into all of that, but what do you see now? The only thing you see now is that more people coming up and more people unite yes the war in europe is a very ugly one because our war here is a very psychological very ugly one because the people are very the people try to be all very intelligent so even some of them who are not very intelligent at least um, act in a very pseudo um, um, sophisticated way which is very annoying which is very annoying it would be way easier if they would just tell you uh, i'm against the church and the other one tells you about i'm for the church Unfortunately, that's not the way it's, go- it's going now. So you need many more, you need many different tools to understand the fight here in Europe, and uh, it is difficult for all of us. That's true. Our biggest problems is that we are taxed so much, so we have way less money than you have normally. Not that you all are rich, please. I understand that, but but you have a little bit more freedom through that. You have, in general, more freedom of speech normally. Still, yeah. still, even though, even though in the United States they want to destroy that. But things like, like here, where I, if I say something out against homosexual, uh, homosexuality and homosexuals, I'm immediately punished. So, so I'm not allowed to say many things here in public. Still now, I, I do it. I do it. But uh, and I, I, I'm not going to lie. So if people ask me, I'm always going to tell the truth. And let's see how long this is going to work here. If, if, if not, maybe I have to change the way I'm working. Or change the base, but right now I, it will be here, and I will. I, I love to fight here in in my home country. So yes, our fight is a little, a little bit more difficult. That's true. That's true. But do you know who helps us going through this difficult fight? The American Catholics, for example. It is for us a great pleasure to 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 listen to what you produce and to listen to your videos and your writings and so on. It is a great pleasure for us to have this fantastic American cardinal sitting in Rome. Many people fight against him, and I know I understand that, but I know what uh, his eminence, um, um, uh, the American good one in Rome, uh, Cardinal Berg, what his eminence is doing. I know his fight, and he's fantastic, and I really, really, really know that he's a present of God given to us. I know that. So what we have from the Americans is... We can. We in Europe, we need you for this fight, and I can say vice versa. You need us for your fight. So let us unite. Let us unite the clans also uh, in a transatlantic way, not in a globalist transatlantic way, because I want you to stay American, and you want me to stay Austrian. But 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 you know what I mean. That's very important. It's very important, and that's something I'm going to coordinate with the St Boniface Institute. And yes, how are we going to do that? We are going to release videos newsletters of course we're going to do this big conference we're going to do all the meetings we're having a research team uh, we are starting an academic team we already have we already have now uh, uh, the starting of our secretariat so yes it's it's really growing i will write a christmas letter tomorrow to all our supporters and and then the supporters will see what we accomplished till now and what the next plans are so
0: that is excellent so i'm very excited that you're doing this i mean you you the St. Boniface Institute really stands out uh, as a unique thing that's happening in Europe right now, because I mean, you, and you see it, they keep attacking the Americans because they're saying the Americans is where all the resistance is coming from to the, to the agenda and the Vatican and things like that. And it's like, yeah, this is obviously, you know, and we're a bunch of rebels, right? I mean, that's part of our, our, it's both a blessing and a curse. We have rebellion <laughs> in our blood and, you know, all of the good monarchists and the integralists say, well, maybe you shouldn't have, you know, had that revolution. And at the same time, institutionally, we're, I think we're incapable of saying, hey, you're doing bad stuff and we're just going to sit down and take it. You know, it's like we grab our guns and let's go. You know, that's that's America. So, so I mean, I, I, but I'm very excited to be able to connect back again to Europe. Being in Europe for six months when I was in college, the most profound experience and connection to Catholicism I've ever had I will never forget it. it it was just so it was such a deep return to those ancestral roots and you know all the Americans we come from Europe I mean the most of us are, are of European descent so I, I'm excited about being able to connect with the work that you guys are doing and to promote it and and to that end what can those people who are watching this right now what can they do to get involved to stay informed with the work that you're going to yes. be doing
1: so the easiest way is of course to to follow us uh, with our newsletter too it's uh, very easy it's it's you can find it on on, on bonifaz-institute institutecom it's so it's very easy to find that and just just put in your email address and don't forget to confirm it because in Europe we have special laws that ask us to, con- to do the confirmation too it's very annoying but we need to do that yeah and then and then um, just the, the 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 most important thing is for all of the people who watch your show and to, to, who try to watch our work too, start fighting. And you have, you have some we have so many things to do. You can join the pro life movements. You can join the pro family movements. You can join your local traditional community. Try setting things up, um, uh, inviting people. And first of all, start with your own family. Start with your own family. This this old idea uh, we. So so many of us had including me that oh, someone in the family is not in a Catholic way That's very uh, that's not very good. So I will just um, Stop the contact to him. It is Understandable if it is your father and your sister and so on And this is really a big fight then maybe it's better to stop first and pray But first of all we as Catholics have always have to be there for our families so if they need help it does not matter how much we fight it. You have to be there and you have to help. It's it's, it's your duty. It's God commands you to do that, actually. It's from the beginning. So, so that's very important. And this duty also is if you come along well with them, even though they are in the wrong position, then don't forget all the wrong positions. Sometimes if you discuss them too much with them, it does not bring too much. But... Just um, um, trying to find out what the problems behind them are is, is way better. So, for example, help them wherever they need help. Take away the burdens of their shoulders if you have the possibility to do so because you are free enough to do so. This is a very, very huge thing. Don't forget the first thing God created among our, us humans was marriage, actually, because you after he created you, it was already in the in the in the creation story you know in genesis it says that um, uh, the man will leave mother and father and will join the woman and they will become one flesh so this is marriage so god from the beginning on wanted family to be in marriage and we know many people who have destroyed marriages and don't forget Not to only judge them, but only understand that if because their marriage is destroyed, they will have so much to suffer. They will suffer and suffer and suffer. You will never find someone who is divorced, who, if you ask him about his life, will not tell you that he is divorced. Because the because the marriage is so deep that it's very well connected. You will have many people who had a girlfriend and boyfriend in the past. If you ask them about their life, they will of course not tell you about the girlfriend, and boyfriend, because they are already gone. Right. But as soon as you're connected through marriage, you are connected to the rest of your life if you want it or not. Especially if you have children, because the children the child is the living proof of that marriage connects you to one uh, to one. That's a very important thing. So we have so much things to do and if you do that, you are doing the fight and then there are these additional cultural things you can do like for example, if you have if you have a big country so if you have a few fields or a forest or something like this, put up put on a cross, just just make a cross out of wood and put it there, put it there so that and don't put it there for the reason to to show the, the victory of the Catholicism. no this is the second part of it it's wonderful it's wonderful but that's not the reason we put it up the cross in also the crosses in austria and all the little chapels we have which you steve saw when you started here they are there to remind us of our duty to pray so if if you remember the chapels they all have a little sign where it says uh, uh, either prayer or in Remembrance of this and uh, this person or that person, or it is a station of a way of the cross, and so on. So, it is always a certain thing these statues want uh, want from us. And if you see in Austria, uh, and you can do that in America too, a cross on the countryside, this is for you assigned to speak at least a small, short prayer. Yeah, and maybe it's only my Lord and Savior, and that's it. The more, the more the merrier. But 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 this is something which really, which really puts our lives up, uh, uh, and and we really see God every day. And then suddenly our lives are getting easier and better, in a spiritual way. And therefore we can fight the the things happening, so we can carry the cross God gives us. So God, let's say, not gives us, but allows to be given to us. Um, And suddenly we can carry it and suddenly we can find the virtues to carry it and suddenly everything is possible. And then very hard things can happen and we as Catholics can still be joyful. For example, that's the best thing. If a really Catholic man or woman dies, you will see on their face as mine. You will see that they are calm. And I tell you something very ugly, a very ugly truth. If people are exactly the opposite, so if people had a terrible life and till the end did not manage to change, you will see on their face the sadness and the emptiness.
0: Mm. Don't don't get one of those. And always pray. <laughs> for them. Yeah, always don't, pray for them. don't have one of those for sure. Alexander, it has been a pleasure and an honor to get to know you better. I look forward to working with you in the future. Thanks so much for being on the podcast yes. today.
1: And thank you so much for your work. Uh, and God bless you. And I wish you a uh, blessed Advent and then a Merry Christmas afterwards. To you to and your you. wife as
0: well. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank bye you. Bye-bye. God bless. Do you love 1 Peter 5? Do you want to join in our fight? Go to 1 Peter 5.com forward slash donate today. Thank you for your support. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of the One Peter Five Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. In fact, we hope you enjoyed it so much that you're going to like it, subscribe to it, share it with all your friends, review it on iTunes. We need lots of good reviews on iTunes so that people who are listening to the audio-only version of this podcast can find it. Make sure you add it to your favorite podcast app, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever. Don't miss any of the great content that we provide. And in fact, on that note, if you enjoy the great content we provide, we ask that you please help us meet our fundraising goal for December. We've been under a number of months this year. We need to end the year on a strong financial footing so we can keep doing what you love and what we love to do in 2020. Please just go to onepeter5.com forward slash donate and make a contribution. doesn't matter if it's a couple of bucks, Everything helps. There's hundreds of thousands of viewers, listeners, readers out there. We know that together we can meet our goals. Thank you so much for listening. We wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And we will see you on the next episode of the One Peter Five podcast. God bless you.